Hello and welcome to the Intelligent Change Podcast. Today I have my dear friend, Arizona Muse, who is a supermodel turned activist. And first of all, Arizona, I'm so grateful that you're here today, that you made the time to be here and share a little bit of you and what you do, your presence, your beautiful mission that you're on. I truly, deeply admire you in so many ways. Um, you're obviously physically beautiful, but what I really love about you is your inner radiance and the beautiful soul inside. And, you know, on our podcast at Intelligent Change, what we do here is we uncover these intelligent change journeys on our human journeys of how we might start doing one thing and then we transition into a completely different journey and how as humans we're always evolving and changing. So there's so many things I want to talk to you about today, but I want to start with how it all started and go a little bit into your background of where you come from and how you got to be here today. I would love to tell you my story. So I have been a model for 13 years, long time. And about six years into that career, I realized, wow, I'm wearing clothes, selling clothes, and I actually don't know anything about where they're from. And that was a huge realization to me. And I, I wanted to know. It's like, so where are these made? Are they made in a factory? Are they, where, where are they made? Who makes these? And there were some resources available at the time and I lapped them up and I learned so much about just shocking information about how dangerous it is to make clothes for the people, for the planet. How many different countries are involved in the making of one garment? How many different materials? I used to think of a coat as like being made of wool. It has a lining, it has mm -hmm. shoulder pads, it mm -hmm. has thread that sews it together, it has buttons and maybe a zip. It's many different colors from dye or bleach. It's like, whoa, okay, nine materials in this garment that I kind of assumed was one material? It just opened up a whole new way of looking at the world. Mm -hmm. And through my exploration of supply chains, I learned so much. And that had, it had a really interesting effect on me personally. So as a model, I became quickly less and less happy and my insecurities went up and up and up and up and I felt less, why do you think this happened yeah I felt my self-esteem mm. went through the floor I I was like a little shell of myself who thought everything I did was wrong mm. everything that I looked like was ugly that's a really weird thing about models I know that people look at pictures of models and go oh my god they must be so confident we are so insecure we are like I love that you're sharing this by the way every time I look at a picture of myself now that I'm older I'm 34 and I, it's not my life anymore mm -hmm. I can actually have like mental headspace to think about other things other than obsess about what I look like which is the least healthy thing anyone could ever do to themselves but it is a product of mm -hmm. what it's like to live in that industry everyone looks at you constantly and comments on what you look like oh your hair is like mm -hmm. this oh your mm -hmm. skin is this color mm -hmm. oh your eyes are like this oh you look like you've been away and the worst one is oh you look so healthy and you know <gasps> they think I look fat <laughs> unbelievable terrible, right so how healthy is labeled not healthy is so like healthy fat. this was this was 10 years ago I think the yeah. body issues are definitely better and improving mm. and mm. now it's okay to have a normal body it's okay to have a large body it's okay mm. to have whatever body mm. you just be you that is you know that's like the the aim and some circles reach that I know that also there are plenty of models right now who still feel 
horrible about their bodies mm-hmm. and like they're never right and like you know all, mm-hmm. all of this still exists but now there's a larger spectrum leaning toward good like it's but then there really wasn't a spectrum leaning toward good it was pretty much all just be as thin as you can mm-hmm. and get rewarded for that and everyone goes oh you look amazing and then when you get a bit fatter they go oh you look healthy like <laughs> <laughs> so bad yeah. so bad but that my finding my passion which was for environmentalism biodiversity climate all of these things cultural shifts because later on a few years later I found that we can't change our climate crisis until we change our social crisis Mm -hmm. and these all of this learning impacted me so much I finally felt like I was bringing my head above water and that I could breathe again and that I wasn't being totally obsessed with what I looked like and how I appeared and then my insecurities slowly began to like come down and I could relax a little bit and I could think again because Mm -hmm. I realized why everyone thinks models are dumb it's because we are so stressed we can't think and I think anyone who's remember feeling stressed Mm -hmm. stress does that to you it makes you your brain stops working and that's how models live is like this high stress about f- your own self stress mm-hmm. and your fear that so modeling has absolutely zero job security imagine if I get hit by a bus boop, can't model anymore if anything happens to mm-hmm. my body can't mm-hmm. model anymore and the worst one is if people don't choose me anymore I can't model anymore so you have very little security mm-hmm. about your job itself mm-hmm. and about your income coming mm-hmm. in So you're also under that financial stress. Even if you're making quantifiably quite a lot of money, you have this fear, this terror that it's all going to be over tomorrow. Mm. And so that stress coupled with the body stress, coupled with whatever personal issues you might be dealing with that are just normal in life, parenting, Mm. all the... Nothing. I'm stressed just Nothing. thinking and imagining all of this. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't become a model because I used to fantasize. I grew up watching fashion television, all these tall, beautiful models like you. And then I stopped growing and I was like, oh, I could never be around my model. But, you know, I, I, I was Worst very insecure ever. as well as a girl, even though I never made it to be a model. Just looking at this uh, level of perfection, which in reality you know, it's very hard to sustain as well for a lot of these girls. They're not eating well. They're not treating their bodies Mm. well. And it shouldn't be a goal for the rest of the world to Mm -hmm. try to attain. Yeah. And all of the pictures are photoshopped as well. Exactly. Which doesn't make us feel better about ourselves. You know, (laughs) like, we know that too, okay? I know that they're all photoshopped. So I look at me and I'm like, the only reason why I look nice Mm. is because I'm photoshopped. Mm. And then you go, Mm. it's just, it's all bad. It's just all bad. But of course, you know, it, it did give me opportunities, yeah. Yeah. which sometimes I question. It, yeah. What I did with it is I turned it into activism. And I'm so grateful that that transition happened to me. And I mm-hmm. really like send out the message that if you are in a position of influence, whether that mm-hmm. is an influencer, a model, an actor, whatever, a politician, whatever yeah. kind of public facing influence you might have, if it's stressing you out, which it might be, Great advice is to mm-hmm. find what you're passionate about. Make sure you're really honest with yourself first about yeah. what that is, why you're doing it. Ego out, ego out, ego mm-hmm. out. Make mm-hmm. sure that your agenda is purely for the passion. So for the earth. I, I think of myself as someone who works for the earth. I am in service of the earth. I love that. We all live on the earth. And I stay true to that. So whenever I'm kind of deciding whether to say yes or no to something, or I bring it back to that. I'm like, if I say yes to this, 
is that serving my path as mm -hmm. of being in service to the earth? Mm -hmm. And then it suddenly, it becomes clearer what to decide. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, oh, okay, I know now. Intuition is easier to use when you have some guidelines like that. I find you, it keeps you kind of on little rails mm -hmm. in life. And then, and that was also something I used to feel so confused about. Yes or no, or what I wanted to do, what I wanted to ha go, what it, I had no idea. And now I'm much more defined. I can make decisions much more easily. So mm -hmm. there was a huge internal mm -hmm. growth that happened for me through this finding of purpose, finding of meaning. And it was just magical, like really took a while though. Mm -hmm. it, I found that passion when I was 26 and I'm 34 now. And I feel like I'm pretty much now, the, life is easy now. I don't get worried about stuff. I don't get stressed about I what I look that. like. I yeah. don't get, yeah. and I, I know that I have value now. Mm -hmm. Whereas before mm -hmm. I was just constantly searching for my own value, mm -hmm. which is a disastrous place It's almost to be like you're, you're thinking outside of yourself. And it's like when we're focused on the inside constantly, like, thinking judging ourselves yeah. it's like ego driven whereas totally now it's like driven. all yeah. about how can i bring yeah. what i have inside on the outside to actually make a positive difference yeah. was there a pivotal moment for you when you became aware of all of this yeah it was at 26 years old mm -hmm. when i started to question okay why it was because i i heard the word biodiversity and of mm. course I'd, I'd heard it before but it was really used in front of me to explain about this project in um, Asia with where they were guarding biodiversity mm -hmm. in order to abate climate. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, huh. And then I started asking, okay, so what, what is impact exactly? is my job yeah. and my mm -hmm. life having mm -hmm. on biodiversity? And that was, that was a big pivotal moment. And, and once you start learning about supply chains and about how everything in our lives is made, you never go back because once you know you don't want things, like I mm. look at a sparkly dress now and I'm not like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm going to deny myself yeah, that yeah. dress. I'm like, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. It's so easy not yeah. to want it. Let it's me tell the you why, a story right? of a dress actually. Mm -hmm. So how a dress was made. Please do. Let's say it's a cotton dress mm. with some embellishment and a lining and a zipper at the back. And so that cotton will have been grown India and China grow the most mm -hmm. cotton. The U.S. is the second place. Mm -hmm. So let's say for the purposes of this dress that the cotton was grown in China. Mm -hmm. And then it will have been ginned, which is the process of taking yeah. all the burrs out and making the fiber available mm -hmm. for spinning. It'll be ginned maybe in China, but maybe in a neighboring country, mm -hmm. sometimes in Australia. Then it will be spun, probably sent back to China for spinning. Then it will be dyed. And it'll be dyed in India. Most of the dye mm. houses are in India. And then after dyeing, it'll be either knitted or woven. Let's say that this one's woven. Yeah. That might happen in India as well. And uh, then, so we have a dress now that is just the outer shell of the dress. Hasn't even been sewn into a dress. Now the thread will be polyester because it's yeah. stronger. Mm -hmm. That will have come from absolutely somewhere else and will have been dyed with mm. a toxic dye as well. Mm. Sew the dress together. The embellishment... Ah, oh, we need the embellishment. So that panel of the dress that has the embellishment mm. on it, that panel gets sent to a factory, a different factory, usually in India as well, for embellishment. Will be embellished with sequins, whatever, plastic. Mm -hmm. Plastic. Yes. Also dyed with color pigment in it, mm -hmm. toxic. Yeah. They will have come probably from China. Like already we haven't we haven't even got a dress yeah. yet. 
It doesn't have a lining yet. No one's sewn the zip it's in yet. The zip is yeah. metal. The zip was mined. Children down in the mine probably. Mining is so dangerous. Mines are collapsing on people all the time. There are many different types of mining. So there's big commercial mines where mm-hmm. there are re- regulations and rules. Mm-hmm. Still not a great life, mm-hmm. but there are regulations. People wear safety gear. It's less likely mm-hmm. that those ones fall in. Then there's artisanal mining, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. You know, artisanal bread, so nice. It's not nice when it's mining. The, the word artisanal, you do not want it in front of mining. That means a village has gone and dug a hole. It's not regulated. It's yeah. not regulated at all. There's no safety equipment. They're also processing what they get out, the ore, with their bare hands, and they often use some very toxic things or heavy metals to process those. Very ill, very sick. You can see mm. growths and scars all over. The, like it's, it's really bad. So that was just to get the zip. Remember, we're building a dress. <laughs> Then you sew it together. <laughs> Usually, wonderful single mother brown women are sewing it together and uh, they're not being treated fairly, not safe working conditions, no job security. Mm-hmm. They are not happy and well, and they also don't feel creative. That's, that's a, I think mm-hmm. this is a, underexposed and it's a, a very, very important yeah. aspect of fashion is that we think of it as being so creative, but mm-hmm. the creativity does not trickle down the supply no. chain. It's only here for the designers. And then mm-hmm. the ones who actually make mm-hmm. the clothes, it's, it's, it's a factory. They just sew the same thing over mm-hmm. and over and over again. There's robotic, no creativity. Yeah. It's robotic yeah. and it's too yeah. repetitive. It's, mm-hmm. We know that re- repetition like this is very unhealthy on our mental mm-hmm. health and brains. It's just mm-hmm. not how we were supposed mm-hmm. to be working. And so then now we, we have a dress. The lining, okay, the lining might be Tencel, which is a sustainable mm-hmm. version of viscose, which is made from trees. Yeah. So that is... A tree plantation, very different than a forest. We have Mm. to stop referring to tree plantations as forests. Forests are richly biodiverse ecosystems Mm. with many birds and many insects and lots of fungi Mm -hmm. living in them. That is not, and many species of Managed by nature. Managed by nature. That is not a tree plantation. Mm. A tree plantation is a monoculture. It's one Mm. type of tree planted in rows and rows and rows, equidistant each Mm. tree from each other so that they don't compete for light and water, so that they grow as fast and as straight as possible. Mm. Trees aren't happy like that. Trees like to talk to each other. They do all kinds of fun stuff together. They're very intelligent beings. When we put them in, it's like factory farming of trees. And then also, whenever you have one species, just one species together of plant or animals yeah. whatever it is humans really too mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're exactly. really vulnerable to disease they're really yeah. vulnerable to yeah. disease so you have to spray them with chemicals agricultural chemicals so these tree plantations are farms and they're conventional yeah. agribusiness farms so that's how we make our tree fibers tree fibers are like a super high percentage of the industry i think still unfortunately about 60 percent of clothes are made of polyester absurd i think even 70 i recently heard yeah the updated is uh, 60 to 70 yeah yeah, 70 whatever too much way too much even 50 would be too much we we just don't need polyester even if it's recycled recycled Mm. polyester is very energy intensive and also chemical intensive and then the microfibers that shed off of recycled polyester are higher than the ones that shed off of virgin polyester anyway the whole thing needs to go and then of those 30, 40% of clothes that are made of natural fibers, I think it's like 50, 60% of those are made of tree fibers because they're very inexpensive. They shouldn't be because it's a lot of work to grow trees and it's a lot of work to process those. Turning a tree into textile is a chemical bath process. 
you have to get, disintegrate that tree mm-hmm. by first chopping it into tiny little pieces, sending it through an electric shredder or a gas-powered uh, mm-hmm. shredder, which is energy intensive. Then you have to bring it down to a cellulose, and that's a chemical bath. And then you can build it up into a fiber, and then that can be made into a textile. Mm-hmm. So that's the lining. It'll also be bleached or dyed. That will have come from maybe forests in Europe. <laughs> that will be processed probably in Europe as well. And then we'll be sent to India to the manufacturer who's making that dress. Oh, at each step of that dress, guess what happened? It was wrapped in plastic. Every single element of that dress has been wrapped in plastic each time because every time it's transported, fresh plastic to keep it clean. I don't even want the dress. I don't even want the dress. And we're talking about a cotton dress. We're not even talking about a polyester dress, yeah. right? This and cotton is, is more or less... Oh, yeah, this was like considered sort yeah. of a natural. Yeah. This was a sort yeah. of a natural dress, although cotton is the most pesticide hungry crop we have. Conventional cotton, right? Like All cons- the cotton in yeah. general. So yeah. cotton is a very vulnerable pro- crop. It's mm. sometimes I like to behave as a plant. So if I'm cotton, mm. cotton's like, ooh, I'm so thirsty. Do give me water? Mm. But I want a lot of sunlight. Put mm. me in a desert where there's no water. Oh, yeah. And then irrigate me. Oh, the bugs are eating me. Put some chemicals mm. on me. That's what cotton does all year long. It's a very whiny crop. Mm-hmm. Whereas ha- flax, where mm. we make linen from, yeah. flax is like, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Grow me on a hill where nothing else wanted to be. Don't water me. I like rainwater. I'm fine. Oh, the bugs. I bring lots of different bugs in and they all just eat, live around me. They don't eat me. I'm just a house for them. It's all cool, dude. That's flax. Mm-hmm. So we need to grow more flax. Yeah. And less cotton. We just mm-hmm. really, really do. We can't mm-hmm. really have... Rely on it. So we can't rely on this, this huge amount of cotton that we grow. And it's it's not good for the farmers. Mm-hmm. that They're exposed to those toxic chemicals all year long. It's and awful. then we are exposed because, again, everything goes into yeah. rivers that go into the seas, that goes into the oceans. And then, yeah. you know... No wonder the oceans are dead. <laughs> so sad. We're, what we're do down- we do? It's, obviously, anybody who is listening to this, like you and I, we obviously... I'll do a lot of homework. I'm literally the same as you. And that's why when we met, we clicked so well because I truly admire your passion and uh, where you've stepped up even to educate others about it. I try to do the same and use my platform to little by little tell people these are the solutions that you can implement in your day-to-day life and also not to overwhelm people because I feel like when people feel like this issue is just too overwhelming. There's nothing I can yeah. do. They go into this paralysis and they're like, well, YOLO, I'm just going to keep doing the things yeah. the way I'm doing because it's like this big issue is just too overwhelming and I, I don't even know how to start. And I think wh- when we look at it from the point of view, actually, you do have a say. You do have a vote yeah. with every decision and every purchase and you do make a difference. Absolutely. And I think... Um, it's important to know that there's a huge problem. It's important to educate yourself, but also I think it's important to understand that it doesn't have to be this way. Like for thousands and thousands of years, humans survived without plastic. So what can we do? What, What can every single one of us do to minimize the environmental impact that we do have on the environment? And I personally have been on the same journey as you have, just like first and foremost, 
to educate myself and embody that change to be authentic in the way that I live life. And I would say I'm not perfect and I'm sure you are as well because it's very difficult to be perfect it's ever impossible. in yeah. any area of your life. Uh, obviously, sometimes I'll still buy something that will have a polyester component, whether it's the button or a little sequin somewhere or a glitter. Or, um, but at the same time, I think it's just, again, being more conscious and aware and making most of your decisions based on these conscious choices. So mm -hmm. going back to your journey, so what, once you found out about all of this, what were the first steps that you've made in your personal um, decision-making and purchases? How, how did that evolve over time so for you? I, I first started by changing my own life, the things that I had control over. It's easiest to start with where you spend money. Mm -hmm. So we're all spending money all the time. And we can make choices about where we lodge that money. Mm -hmm. So when you buy something, you put your money into a business who made something that you needed. Mm -hmm. That's a huge opportunity for activism. No matter how small it is, the amount of money that you're spending, you still get to choose where you put it. And the businesses who are doing things right, they're so grateful for your mm -hmm. business. And that feels so good when you're supporting someone who's doing things in a better way. Mm -hmm. Also secondhand shops. Yep. That's like the yep. way to, the good cheat mm -hmm. is just buy everything secondhand. Anything you need for your home, buy it secondhand. Look yeah. at swapping websites, yeah. all of this. Like mm -hmm. that's that's an easy switch. And it feels really, really to good. To be honest, for me, it wasn't easy because I had wasn't? this stigma with like Ooh. used clothing. Oh, tell me I more. think also when you grow up with very little, I don't come from, a, you know, an affluent background. So like I work really hard to make money yeah. to buy really nice stuff. And then it's like, no, now I have to buy used clothes. <laughs> so I have okay. to get over that. Yeah. But I think when you think logically about the overproduction of all these new items it's like if we keep consuming the way we are consuming now they're going to keep producing the way that so we have to minimize our consumption but of course we're humans we still crave all these things mm -hmm. and desire to look good how can we still consume without the production mm -hmm. and that obvious answer is to buy used or vintage clothes yeah. so it's then about curating and i think there are great websites out there like I personally love Estier, where you can buy clothes with tags on. So this is how I personally, in a way, cheat. It's like, well, somebody bought it. It's either doesn't have a tag, but maybe it was worn once. So I don't feel like it's used, but I'm still giving it a home because in the end, it's going to end up somewhere in a dumpster, mm -hmm. right? If I don't buy it. So, and again, when I search these items, I also search by... Um, I, I guess this could be an opportunity for somebody to buy that uh, dress with sequins if they really want to. Absolutely. Because at least all the plastic not... and polyester buy it secondhand. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. but I still don't like wearing it because your body is uh, your biggest organ and you're absorbing all that plastic. So, I always search by you know natural fabrics, whether it's like you said, linen, organic cotton, silk. I absolutely love silk or um, you know cashmere wool. All of these more natural fabrics that actually mm -hmm. can compost at yeah. the end of their life cycle but going back to what you were saying yeah so there are so many things that we can do and we have we do have to take into account affordability mm -hmm. because we have an economic system right now mm -hmm. where a lot of people don't have enough money mm -hmm. which is crazy I've done a lot of thinking mm -hmm. and reading into just money like what is even money we just made it up <laughs> it doesn't exist but we give it so much power mm -hmm. and we've created a system where 
a lot of people don't have that power Mm -hmm. and that is in itself like we need to do podcasts and podcasts and podcasts about that to Mm -hmm. unravel that and Mm -hmm. understand why and understand how to how to create a different Mm -hmm. paradigm because it's not fair it's absolutely unjust Mm -hmm. especially when you're like it doesn't even exist so why do I have it and some people don't like what also I made all my money because people liked the way my face looked like what again (laughs) what (laughs) it's so weird so weird how money flows and works Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I mean anyway so we could talk about that for a long time but that's a different topic my my, what I want to say about this is that if you are lucky enough to Mm -hmm. have money in Mm -hmm. your pocket right Mm -hmm. now it is your responsibility to spend it with the good businesses and buy things Mm -hmm. that are slightly more expensive Mm -hmm. that have a good impact if you don't have enough money to do that no worries no guilt no shame on you Mm -hmm. you just do what you can live the life that you can and know that nothing is your fault okay Mm -hmm. you're living in a system that isn't working for everybody it's Mm -hmm. not meeting everybody's Mm -hmm. needs and this is it needs to change it has to change I'm just I and so many other people are not okay about living in this system Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) Definitely. And so was there anything else that you've changed? So obviously like buying vintage, supporting smaller businesses who are doing things right. Um, Outside of fashion, what else have you done in your life? The things that I've found really empowering are speaking out. Mm -hmm. So I changed my social media to be an activism account where I talk about fashion and my own changes. And Mm -hmm. and I do it in a positive way just because that's who I am naturally. I really respect activists who shout and demonstrate and get angry and Mm -hmm. do I really do respect that we need that there's a place for that Mm -hmm. it's very effective Mm -hmm. it's not who I am so I do activism in my own way Mm -hmm. which is gentle and supportive and inviting everyone on the same journey Mm -hmm. and that's what works for me but like I said we need all kinds of activism and the I really like I I kind of in a way stopped what I was doing in order to become an activist but that's also you don't have to do that the best kind of activist is the one that keeps their really normal job mm-hmm. and creates change within mm-hmm. the businesses mm-hmm. that they work for. Absolutely. Like, that's the activism that we need. It's not a solution for everyone to just stop what they're doing with life and walk out and do something different. I mean, there, there is opportunity for that. And some mm-hmm. people, you'll know who you are. When yeah. that's right for you, you'll know. And you'll go, that's for me. And I need to do that. Mm-hmm. So go for it and do it. But for some, it's, it's to stay where you are and like, get your head above water Mm -hmm. in your own job and start standing up for the education that you're giving yourself and say Mm -hmm. oh I can see so that we could make some changes in this business let's do this and bring it up and keep bringing it up and bring it up in a positive way and it works it will happen and we need that because we are in such a climate emergency right now that we don't have time to like create everything again new Mm -hmm. we need to use what we have in terms of also, you know, secondhand fashion, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. the businesses that we yeah. have. We don't have time to close all the oil companies and like start new companies. Mm-hmm. So I like to imagine a future where all the oil companies are creating positive impact and not through spending 94% of their advertising budget on mm-hmm. green energy, but only having 4% of yeah. their investment going into green energy. I don't mean that. That's proper greenwashing. Mm-hmm. But they are huge entities. And they have power. So they can Mm -hmm. create positive impact. Absolutely. And they just need to take advice from all the people who've devoted their lives to this. There's a lot of advice out there. It's really easy Mm. to find good logical solutions to make things better for the earth and better for people. Mm -hmm. 
it's really hard to find them if you're in a silo. Yeah. It really is. And this is one of my biggest takeaways from attending COP now twice. COP is Conference of the Parties. It's the UN conference mm-hmm. that is hosted annually. It's the only conference of its kind. All or lots of, most of the countries attend. Mm-hmm. They negotiate about climate. Yep. Unfortunately, none of it is binding. So all the agreements that come out of it are still just suggestions. Yeah. That should change. That They should be binding. Imagine. it's a waste of time for so many people <laughs> it's you know it's not a waste of time because no. it's happening it yeah. needs to okay. happen so at we least the conversations happen. are happening but i feel like if yeah. nothing gets done if nothing gets well signed, it gets done and it gets signed yeah but it's not like it's not into law mm. it gets signed as this is officially the yeah. guideline but it's not ratified into mm. law and mm. it's definitely not in yeah. criminal law mm. so mm-hmm. if we were to put all of these guideline suggestions from the un conferences into the criminal, yeah. the international criminal yeah. court as laws mm-hmm. that meaning that if you didn't follow them, suddenly you were personally liable and you were a criminal if you mm-hmm. were found guilty of them. Oh, everything would change instantly. Like I, I heard you say, <laughs> if, if, if you're polluting a river, you should be, yeah. you know, you should be liable for yeah. that pollution. And you, sh- you know, Even if there should company. be consequences, like you yeah. could go to prison. If you're nobody, the director of a company yeah. and the company is polluting yeah. a river right now, the company is liable for that, mm. not the director. And the company can't go to jail. Of course. So right now it's just a penalty. And mm. so big companies who pollute rivers, mm. they budget in annually all the penalties that they'll need to pay for the pollution because it's cheaper than actually not polluting. So that system's not working. We just need to make systems that work. Mm-hmm. And it's not rocket science. It just isn't. It's, and again, we have to go back to money, I guess. Yeah. You know, people, definitely. we're very wound up in money right now. We mm. all think... We're all brainwashed in a way to think that money is the most important thing mm. and that we have to make decisions based on money. All of, our, all of the contracts between companies and, its di- and their directors mm. are all about making money. They don't say in them, you, you, you are also held accountable for mm. the environmental and mm. social impact of your company. They don't say that. Mm-hmm. So then it's no, no wonder why companies in general are causing great harm socially and environmentally. Because their directors are actually doing a great job. They're, they're doing what they've been asked to do. Exactly. <laughs> so let's yeah. ask them to do different things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's like changing the whole story about it. Yeah. Right? Um, I want to talk about, obviously, your charity Dirt that you have created. How many years has it been now? Two. Two this years. month. So it's, yeah. it's, it's very recent still. How, what, like, what compelled you on that journey of, you know, obviously, obviously becoming an environmentalist and activist why did you decide that this is the time I need to something create of something of my own? Because obviously there's so many other charities that support sustainability in one way or another. Um, I really admire that you've done this because I feel like it's such a huge commitment and it takes probably, I don't know, 80%, maybe even more of so your much. time. Um, <laughs> talk to me about it. I'm really curious to hear more about that journey. So through my activism, I realized that every story I was learning about the fashion supply chain was always leading me back to soil. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so weird. I didn't know that my clothes were grown in soil. And I looked around me at the core of the fashion industry because I was super lucky. My career went really well. I was working for all the highest fashion houses and doing their shows and campaigns. And I was right there in the center and on all the, the covers of all the Vogue's. Yeah. And, and we were not aware of this. And I was like, oh, that's a big problem then. So farmers are growing our clothes. And, you know, we say grace 
when we eat, mm-hmm. we say thank you to the earth for food. Thank you for the people who grew it. No one ever says a grace before they get dressed in the morning about their clothes. That is like, so true, right? So like farmers, we don't have the awareness. Most people don't. don't. Yeah. Because it's so disjointed. Mm. And we think clothes come from factories, which they do. But seven steps Where before the, that, yeah. they came from soil. <laughs> And so we need to reflect Mm. on this. We need to understand what it is to be a farmer. Farmers grow everything we need for us, except for all the petrochemical stuff Mm. and all the metal Mm. that's mined. They grow all of our food and all of our textiles and the wood that's on our floors and windows Mm. and everywhere. Thank you, farmers. Thank you so much for doing this for us. And the more I learned about farming, Mm. the more I fell in love with it. I... It's my big life ambition to become Mm -hmm. a farmer. Mm -hmm. I love it. It is super complex. Farmers' heads are so intelligent. And then when you're regenerative farming, you're also, your heart is connected to the soil, Mm -hmm. to the land. You're building a relationship between yourself and Mother Earth. It's a very primal, indigenous Mm -hmm. feeling to farm life, to grow plants. It's amazing. And so I kept learning all of this, and I also learned the tragedies of farming. So right now, and this is a problem in the global north, in the global mm-hmm. south, in poor countries, in rich countries, everywhere, farmers are committing suicide so at a higher rate than so any other demographic in most countries. And it's because they're stuck, I found out, in an economic situation that mm-hmm. is impossible. They have so much debt. They have to service their debt, and the debt is from buying chemicals, yeah. genetically modified mm-hmm. seed, and and uh, they become reliant. machinery. Yeah, they yeah. start relying and on these corporations. They're offered financing yeah. on all of those from the same mm-hmm. from the same people, and they get into this cycle where then if they have crop failure, they default on their debt. That's stress, 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 stress. Eventually, they don't want to live anymore. What? It's this tragic. is so not yeah. okay. They are growing everything we need for us. And we don't, even, we don't even say thank you. And we're leaving them in this situation where they're so deeply, deeply unwell. Mm-hmm. So I started DIRT because I wanted to address this whole situation and particularly the intersection of the agricultural si- mm-hmm. situation with the fashion situation. Mm-hmm. Because it was really this connection, as we were talking about, was just not there. And so DIRT, our ambition is to turn fashion into a climate solution mostly by the way we grow things because if we could avoid all of those agricultural chemicals on all of our fashion crops and start growing a lot more linen a lot less cotton balance Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. out in the right way Mm -hmm. grow it on biodiverse fields Mm -hmm. within forests in many cases agroforestry is when you grow trees with crops so the crops aren't just like in the bare scorching sun all by themselves they have the trees over them put animals in through them mobile grazing Mm -hmm. all of these things that are just mimicking nature the way nature would have done things and this is helpful when we can take some fences down right now we farm on very small tracts Mm -hmm. of land even even if it's a massive field that's way too big it's still kind of like there will be a fence around it and that's really harmful to nature nature hates fences doesn't work we need to get grazing herds back just bring them back so dirt is working to create new certification guidelines for fashion we're working with demeter i love that demeter is the certifying body for a global agricultural movement called biodynamic farming Mm -hmm. demeter is nearly 100 years old next year is its birthday and uh, it has a very high standard for sustainability socially Mm. and environmentally 
and they've seen great success certifying food and wine, but they don't work in the textile space mm-hmm. yet. They have one cotton certification, which we're going to review as yeah. part of this process, creating 10 new certifications. And they, so we're going to do this by, we started the first one, which was dye stuff. Mm-hmm. Really challenging. I think we started on the most difficult one by accident, but that's okay. Uh, we're nearly finished with it. Wow. And gathering experts from all over yeah. the world, making sure we have very diverse points of view mm-hmm. because it, this cannot be something that gets created in one climate mm-hmm. with one thought process yeah. and then gets put somewhere else in the world and mm-hmm. they're like, this makes no sense at all because that happens a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot with innovations. Yeah. It gets innovated in one place yeah. and it's totally useless it apply, in yeah. other places. Yeah. So this is why it was really important to me to have a very wide mm-hmm. viewpoint mm-hmm. coming in on this. So we had mm-hmm. 15 experts coming from many different growing climates, many different cultures, many different skin colors, many different understandings mm-hmm. of the fashion supply chain. Mm-hmm. Quite amazing and humbling to be there. And we're facilitating these cre- the creation of these 10 with Demeter. We'll be launching them over the next two years. and. They will be there then to help to guide the fashion industry, not only on how to grow, yeah. but also how to process because mm-hmm. the chemical process that we talked about is exactly. so damaging mm-hmm. and Demeter always certifies the process as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just the growing and then also how to, how to wear them well. So mm-hmm. when you're, when you're caring for your clothes, you can be damaging or not. Yep. Dry cleaning is yep. so damaging. So all of these tags will say, do not dry clean. And what that means you have to, you have to do all the washing tests on mm. them. You have to make sure that they're washable clothing. Yeah. And you sometimes they'll need to be disassemblable. Like if it's a really fancy garment, you need to make mm-hmm. a kind of a strip here that you can take out and wash. Mm-hmm. This is how old fashioned clothing was designed. In those fancy Elizabethan dresses, <sighs> mm-hmm. they never washed the whole thing, but they had kind of guards under the mm-hmm. armpits that you could mm-hmm. remove and so wash those <laughs> and all the cuffs of everything yeah. always came off so that you could horrible. wash the cuff right. but not the whole garment i mean and and here as well so we need to think that makes so think, much sense right <laughs> i think just... we need to just go back into history and say how did they do it i mean you don't there's have to so much knowledge bicycle, so much right? knowledge to be cleaned mm. off of the real logic that was yeah. created in history yeah. and then also some room to innovate and make mm-hmm. sure that we're doing things yeah. in a really friendly modern way mm-hmm. in some ways and then the blend of those is just the right way to go and then of course the decomposition because we have to admit every single thing we make is trash that's okay it's beautiful trash but it's trash so how is it going to behave when it's mm-hmm. in a landfill mm-hmm. it shouldn't go into a landfill it should go into a compost pile yeah. So all of this clothing will be able to be compostable, meaning Mm -hmm. that it's just not toxic. So Mm -hmm. in soil, soil is not just like a brown blanket. Soil is a composite material made of trillions of microorganisms. And those trillions of microorganisms have a look at like microscopic videos of them. They are so funny. They have personalities. They do their stuff. They're super busy all the time. I think they're even playing, but they're (laughs) definitely eating and pooping. Mm -hmm. That's soil, their poop. Mm They're having sex and making babies. They're doing all kinds of things all the time. And we need to make sure that we make clothes that they can eat. (laughs) That's it. And that's it. And then that is a really circular economy. Mm. Right now, I still have yet to see a graph where the, Mm -hmm. not a graph, sorry, the like a, you know what I mean? What are they called? A picture. A cycle. Yeah. Yeah. A picture where the circular economy really goes, comes Mm -hmm. in from, and goes back to soil. Comes from the soil goes you know, back you use to the it, soil abuse it yes. and eventually goes back in yeah. the soil and can be eaten yeah. by the soil right now all yeah. the circular economy yeah. 
pictures I see are the tiny circles of recycling. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but where did it come from really? Yeah, it's always yeah. soil. So we need to come back to soil. Mm -hmm. So this is the, the big mission of the charity is to create these and start using these. We also support projects all over the world. So we have about 20 projects that we have in our menu that businesses are welcome to choose from to support. So meaningful. Oh my gosh, these people, they are climate resilient. They are working in the future already. We just need to fund them. And that's mm. our attitude at Dirt. We're very much like, we will never tell our projects how or what to do. They know best. People in local communities mm -hmm. know exactly what is right for their community. Mm -hmm. I just feel honored to be able to fundraise for them and send them the money that yeah. they need. Yeah. We find all of our projects through the biodynamic farming movement that I mentioned earlier. So they're yeah. all kind of checked on and triple checked on through a tr mm -hmm. nice triangle of lots of people that all know each other throughout the world. It's a tiny movement. It really needs more funding. We also have two other ways to fund the growth of this movement. Mm -hmm which is our two funds that are quite new in the charity. One mm -hmm. is called the Education Fund and one is called the Biodynamic Association Fund. Mm -hmm. This movement, as I said, is nearly 100 years old. It has a really good infrastructure, but really tiny bits of funding going mm. to it. So with DIRT, what we, we hope we are able to catalyze is a lot of funding moving into this global movement yeah. in agriculture because it's amazing, because it's there already. So if we could give each of these biodynamic mm -hmm. associations 20, 30, 50,000 a year, the, the movement would explode. Absolutely. Because right now, in a good way, explode mm -hmm. in a good way. <laughs> it needs to explode. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now, many of the associations around the world are working with one or two volunteers mm -hmm. one or two days mm -hmm. a week. And they're responsible for promotion of the movement and gathering new farmers and helping to explain what it's like to transition from conventional farming mm -hmm. into biodynamic farming. And they're doing a really great job with what they have. But imagine what they could do if they could hire one or two more people mm. full time who had a skill set for marketing. Or 10 or 20. Or 10 or 20. Why are we thinking think small? Big. Think big. But we have to think big. We have to think big. We have yeah. very little yeah. time. I am optimistic, but I also am realistic as well as optimistic. And I think this is the time to spread this message. This need to explode in the yeah. most beautiful way yeah. through education, through awareness, through understanding that again, all of us have to become even micro activists in our own little yeah. family, community, bubble, right? This is how change and movements are created. Yeah. So this is why I appreciate everything you do and share and spread because this is so, so important. It's so important. So with the charity, we are, of course, accepting donations all the time. We're so grateful for the donations that have reached us already and would definitely invite everybody to donate more. Where can people find you? Yeah, or your charity? You can, the charity is dirt.charity. That's mm -hmm. our website. And our Instagram is at dirt.charity. And you can reach out to us. Our projects are for businesses because we can tell a beautiful story together. They're really valuable in a communication point of mm -hmm. view. And it is so wonderful to really know where your money's going. Mm -hmm. You choose your project. You get yeah. to know those people. Vincent is in eastern Kenya. He's doing amazing things for his community, educating mm -hmm. rural, yeah. rural, uh, his rural village and bringing everyone out of poverty. Like, whoa, he's inspired by his mother, who was a single mother and raised him and his four siblings wow. by herself on a tiny piece of land. And he's like, we never went hungry because she was such a good farmer so sweet it's and the so land beautiful. supported her yeah. i think this mm -hmm. is literally makes me want to cry yeah. every time i talk, every time I talk about these incredible yeah. humans i just feel so blessed mm -hmm. to be able to communicate with them learn about their stories 
and do what I can to fundraise for them because it is the right place for money to go. Oh my gosh. And our model is a very lean charity model. So mm. when you donate to a project, uh, to a project, 85% of your donation Amazing. goes straight to the project. We send it immediately. We don't sit on it and dirt only keeps 15%, which doesn't even cover our running costs like at all, but that's okay. I've been self-funding the charity at the beginning and I'm super grateful to have been doing that. And, um, definitely invite people to join join the mission we also have an earth shop so if you're a conscious brand you are welcome to place a product into our earth shop we don't sell it for you you sell it yourself Mm -hmm. we just showcase it and you donate a percentage of profits to the charity i wanted to mention that actually we at intelligent change are supporting dirt and if you buy our intelligent change glow face oil five percent oh thank you so much five by the way which is amazing because it's again all natural it's amazing made out of botanical um, face oils that are so good for your skin and the environment lots of jojoba right exactly i love it it's this beautiful golden color yeah there's a seabuckthorn oil but five percent of all this uh, of the sales of the oil go to uh, support dirt because I am so passionate about, you know, what you do and I want to support in any way that I can and also be involved in this movement. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. It's very meaningful when friends get involved. It really is. I really am deeply inspired, Arizona, because I think we can all look at you and see that when you we really care about something, maybe you care about food, maybe you care about um you know, uh, energy movement, like how we need to transition, yeah. you know, from fossil fuels to more um, gentle ways of using, harnessing energy through the sun, wind, what, what not. There's so many solutions. So whatever you are feeling passionate about, I think it is time that all of us step into that action and become part of the movement. Oftentimes people say, well, there's no opportunities. I'm looking for a job. You have to create the opportunities. You can't wait for mm-hmm. come for somebody to come and save you anymore. You have to be the person to save yourself. And I think when we all step into that power that we all have, we realize that we can be the change. Truly, we are the change. You cannot wait for someone to create that change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. And you truly embody that. And I just want to tell you that I absolutely love seeing your journey and I'm you know deeply inspired and admire you every step Likewise. of the way. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here today. Um, would you share any last tips on how the listeners can become part of this movement in their own life if they have never heard about about any of these topics and this is a completely new information or maybe they have heard and they are trying to change but sometimes they are disappointed when they look at the the global movement and how you know still 70% of or 60 70% of all the clothes that are being made are polyester and you feel like what you do doesn't really make a difference is there anything else you can leave them with that can empower them on this absolutely. journey absolutely so everything that everyone does it does make a difference it really does change the things in your life like we talked about also contact your MPs contact the politicians who represent you They need to know what you think. They need to know that you're educating yourself. It's great. Bombard them. That's what they're there for. Mm -hmm. And I also forget that, I think, right? We We do forget that. We also have a voice in this. They represent us. They represent (laughs) us. They represent us. We do forget that. Mm -hmm. And I also want to invite everyone to start thinking of yourself as a bit of an activist. Find your own inner activist. We all have one. We all have a part of ourselves who is desperate to speak up for something that we believe Mm. in we really do and it feels so good so good I cannot emphasize that enough I am 
happier and more fulfilled than I have ever been and I have more fun I laugh more often I know I'm working on the climate crisis and it should be all doom and gloom it's not trust me it's not the regenerative movement we are so into being gentle with ourselves Mm self-love self-care wellness you can't take care of someone else well Mm -hmm. or the planet well if you're being mean and hateful Mm -hmm. to yourself Mm -hmm. it's a huge shift in the paradigm activism used to be about fighting until you burned out and I've spoken to many activists who've been around for a lot longer than I have Mm -hmm. and there was a time for that and I'm so grateful that they did that Mm -hmm. they paved the way for Mm -hmm. me and my generation of activists and younger than me who now are looking at this different way of creating change and it's more like building a movement Mm -hmm. and creating Mm -hmm. momentum and making sure that everyone knows how once you become this, once you find your own inner activist, Mm -hmm. it's better. It's a better life. And also, then when you get deep into climate, sustainability, all that stuff, it gets really exciting. The the kinds of things that I've noticed, there's a common thread that Mm -hmm. anyone who's kind of really looking into climate from an earth focused point of Mm -hmm. view we all end up on the same journey and we all end up in the same destinations Mm -hmm. and this happens just by accident we didn't all know each other Mm -hmm. through our whole journeys but the journey kind of goes through all these phases of you realize how important soil is and ocean regeneration and you realize how carbon is not the most important thing in the world at all Mm -hmm. it's very important Mm -hmm. but it's not more important than biodiversity or pollution it's not and so we have to stop being in this like carbon tunnel vision where all we talk about is net zero Mm. if we focus on net zero forever we will we will lose the game Mm -hmm. (laughs) we really Mm. will and then it also leads you into all this inner development Mm. so divine feminine understanding the balance between masculine and feminine within each of us in the world how energies all work together Mm. that plants are not just a physical body they like us have some life force within them And this is what's really cool about biodynamics. One of the many things is that biodynamics is farming that life force within the plants. So true. And reconnecting the Earth's energy with the energy of the other planets. Because obviously they're not all individualistic entities. They're all connected through energy. Like you and me are connected Mm -hmm. through energy. We're all made of tiny particles. My daughter, when we lived in Ibiza for a year, went to this incredible school called Universal Mandala that was teaching three-year-olds about <laughs> quantum <Universal> biology. <laughs> so right so up my, my daughter alley. was coming yeah. home from school at three going, Mama, we're all made of tiny little particles and the tiny little particles of the plant are the same as me and I might come back as a plant so I need to be kind. This is how, how they were beautiful. teaching about kindness yeah. is that we are all made of the same particles. We're all one. It's like, whoa, that's a great way of being a school. <laughs> So I invite everyone on the journey, become, become the activist that you are inside. Let yourself free, let yourself out. It's the best way of living. And the earth needs this. The earth needs us to turn our conscious minds and our conscious hearts toward a better future. It's a beautiful message. Arizona, thank you again for using your voice to support Mother Earth, who always supports us on our journey. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you (laughs) so much. (laughs) I'm sure we'll do this again at some point. Tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you.